Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this third Sunday in Lent as we gather together to receive the gifts of God in word and sacrament. Uh, before we begin our worship, just a couple of things for me this morning. Uh, first is a reminder that our midweek services will continue this Wednesday at 7 with Soup Supper starting at 6. So you are absolutely invited. Come eat with us and come as we go through the commandments together. Uh, also a reminder that today will be the last Sunday to get in your Easter lily orders. So if you would like flowers and you haven't filled out the order form, get those in the offering plate this morning. Do you have any announcements or prayer requests? Yeah, Rose. I just want to add to the Easter lilies. Yeah. So far, we have three lilies. So if you could find it in your heart to give, that would be great. All right. <laughs> and I have to call that in tomorrow. Yeah. So. yeah. We have to get that order in tomorrow. So you heard this. You heard the special pleading. So if your heart if your heart strings are tugged, then by all means, yeah. And Regina. Um, we just got approval Friday that our youngest grandson and was approved for surgery Monday. So. Okay. Yeah, Judy. But Joyce, <coughs> excuse me, Joyce worked me on the prayer list. Mm -hmm. She had a shoulder. Okay, yeah. We'll pray for Joyce. All right. If there are no other requests, I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude. you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captives of sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you, God, word and deed, by what we have done and by what we have not done. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we can be light in your love and walk in your ways to the glory of the world. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, through your Son, you have called us to live faithfully and act courageously. Keep us steadfast in your covenant of grace, and teach us the wisdom that comes only through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Exodus. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to, bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. We'll now intone Psalm 19.
reading from 1 Corinthians. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who, be who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins on, of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But well, we continue this Sunday working our way through the Ten Commandments. And this morning we come to the Fifth Commandment. And when we come to the Fifth Commandment, most of us might begin to take a big sigh of relief. Of all the commandments, this is one we know that we haven't broken. The Fifth Commandment is you shall not murder, or sometimes translated as you shall not kill. And of course, the vast majority of people in the world do not murder. And so people get to the fifth commandment and they relax with it. And yet, like Lee Corso used to say on game day, not so fast, my friends, because when we come to this commandment, we really have to ask the question, what is God demanding of us with this commandment? And Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew shows us exactly what God wants from us when he gives us the fifth commandment. 
And so Christ says in Matthew chapter 5, You have heard that it was said to those in ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. And so now we have the opportunity to stop and look into the mirror of the fifth commandment. Perhaps, I hope, I have never murdered someone with my hands. But have I been angry with someone? Have I insulted someone? And if I have, Jesus makes it very clear that I am guilty of breaking the fifth commandment. And this is what the fifth commandment shows us. We can murder someone with our hands, but we can also murder with our hearts, and we can murder with our tongues. Murdering is about taking life from someone. It is acknowledging the reality that God is the creator of life. He is the sustainer of life, and only God has the final say in the giving and taking of life. Life is a gift given to all people by God. It's not our prerogative to take life from someone. And so the fifth commandment is given as a guard to protect life and to guard against diminishing the gift of life that only God gives and sustains. Taking life with our hands, murdering, is a crime that we're conditioned not to do because of the consequences of it. The consequences are severe. But we also have to look inward and to realize that such a crime and such a sin is not beyond our sinful nature. And the book of Genesis shows us this very clearly. Because murder shows up right in the first generation following Adam and Eve. Murder shows up in Adam and Eve's children. Cain killed Abel. And no one had to teach Cain how to murder. He didn't learn it from television or movies or video games. He didn't have an example to follow. Instead, the problem sat very deeply in Cain's sinful heart. And that problem sits in every human heart. And that problem is chiefly anger. Because Cain was angry. You may recall the story in Genesis chapter 4, where God regarded Abel's offering, since Abel did not withhold the best of his livestock from the Lord. Cain, though, brought an easier offering from the ground, and the Lord did not regard it. And so Cain was angry. And rather than repent and listen to God's word, Cain, in his anger, took the issue into his own hands and killed his brother. He was angry at his brother, but more so, Cain was angry at God. And to settle the score with God, he did what only God has the right to do, which is take a life. And so when anger rules in our hearts, we become murderers. When we try in some way to take life from our neighbor out of anger, we are breaking the fifth commandment. And this can be anger that is directed to the actions of our neighbor. Maybe our neighbor did something to make us angry. Or perhaps it can be anger indirect to our neighbor, but perhaps more we're angry with God about the situation, and we project our anger onto our neighbor. But whatever the case, when we try to diminish our neighbor's life in some way or to cause them to suffer, we are breaking the fifth commandment. 
And I trust that most people here will never be really tempted to let their anger rule in the way that Cain did and murder someone with their hands. But how many of us are skilled at murdering with our words? We all grew up hearing the little rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It doesn't take much life experience until you learn that that rhyme is absolutely wrong. Words do all kinds of damage to us. Words have the power to make us a kind of living dead. Someone's words can make us make our lives somehow less. They can diminish our lives. Someone's words can make us live as if somehow our life is something less than a gift of God. Lies can ruin livelihoods. Lies can disrupt our families. Words can cause all sorts of problems. And now we even know that words, what modern psychology might call verbal abuse, can lead to real physical trauma. Words do, in fact, have power in our relationships. And so in the fifth commandment, God is really making a demand that our sinful hearts are going to struggle with. He's making a demand that our sinful hearts are not going to like. And that demand is that we must not be angry with our neighbor. Even when our neighbor has wronged us, even when our neighbor is unlikable, God demands that we do not diminish our neighbor's life in any way. We must not speak angry words to him. We must not speak angry words about him to others. We must not work or conspire in some way to cause him harm. We must not wish bad things upon him. We must not curse him. Because the truth is, righteous anger only belongs to God. We, as sinful creatures, hardly ever have righteous anger. Our anger is always tainted with sin. And our gospel reading here this morning will provide a good example. Because in our, in our gospel reading, we see Christ himself is angry. But Christ, as God, is bringing judgment upon the temple for the harm that the temple is doing to his neighbor. But Christ, in his perfect heart, can find that anger, he can name it, and he can declare a judgment on it. And his judgment is always perfect. But our judgments are not always perfect. And so anger rightfully belongs not to us, but to God. And there's another caveat here, and we have to go back to the fourth commandment of honoring father and mother. So we talked about on Wednesday, God has given us offices in this creation to which he's given his power to administer his wrath. Right? Parents must discipline their children. The state must restrain and punish those who endanger others. And those offices at times have the right to diminish life and even to take life. And there are rare times in which out of our self-defense, we ourselves become agents of the state and have to protect ourselves or others by using force. But this right and this authority is not given to us outside of the offices of the fourth commandment. Anger is not ours to take into our hands. Cursing is not ours to take into our hands. Taking life or diminishing life is not our prerogative. And so the fifth commandment is a guard against diminishing life, as we have heard. But there's also a positive command to go with this commandment as well. And the positive command is that you use whatever power, whatever resources you have to help your neighbor's life flourish and thrive. Right? In the story of Cain and Abel, when God asked Cain, where is your brother? Cain responds, am I my brother's keeper? 
And the actual answer ought to be yes, you are your brother's keeper. When you have the power and the resources to help your neighbor, God commands that you do so. And this is what Christ commands us. He commands us to go the extra mile with someone. He commands us to give an extra coat, an extra coat to a neighbor who's cold and has no coat. God has given us neighbors. He's given us community in order that life would be protected, but also that it would be enjoyed. He's given us neighbors so that our lives may be truly gifts. And so the fifth commandment means that we never get to look at our neighbor's struggles and say, that's not my problem. Your neighbor's struggle is your responsibility. If your neighbor is hungry and you have food, you must feed him. If your neighbor is cold and you have the means to give him clothes or warmth, then you must do so. If your neighbor needs a job and you know of a job opening that might help him, it's your responsibility to tell him about that job. And of course, all of this is contextual and it's nuanced. And only you know your neighbor, right? And only you know the people in your life. And so following this commandment is not going to look the same in all situations for all people. But you do have to examine your heart and say, am I loving my neighbor? Am I protecting and guarding my neighbor's life or am I diminishing it? And the specifics of that are going to look different based on your family, your situation, your neighbors. But God calls us to look inside and examine our hearts with the fifth commandment. And most of all, the fifth commandment is requiring you not to see yourself as an island. Rather, it requires us to understand that God has given us neighbors, community, he's given us families, he's given us society to protect life, to guard life, and to help one another thrive. And so the fifth commandment requires us to consider our place in that, in that community, in that society. And finally, the commandment for the Christian is always going to come from a place of knowing that God himself is the author of life. God's the source of all good things. So the decisions we make about how we live in community are not to be primarily about self-preservation, ambition, or pride. Instead, we recognize that neighbor is a vocation. It's a calling. It's a place that God has put us in this life. And so we recognize that God has given to us life and all good things. And so God wants us to celebrate and share life with those around us. He wants us to guard and protect life, to take it seriously as a gift that it is. Because life is God's first gift to us. And it's a gift here that he guards with the fifth commandment. And furthermore, it's the gift that he's going to redeem for us in the cross of Christ. Christ has come to redeem your life, that you would not be enslaved to the grave, enslaved to death, but Christ has come to give you life. And let us celebrate that. He is our source of life. Amen.
Together let us stand and confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic Apostolic Church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We will look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church, the world, and for all who are in need. O oh Lord, you are a jealous God. So save the third and fourth generations that will come after us from your punishment. And fill us with your son's zeal for your house, that we may cast every idol from our hearts and be devoted to you and your commandments. Lord, in your mercy. Your oh Lord, your son's cross and crucifixion is folly to the world, but it is our source of forgiveness. Preserve the preaching of the cross in our midst, that from this life-giving tree we may continually receive your faith-preserving gifts. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, preserve and bless all Christian households, that husbands and wives would live in love and service to each other, that fathers and mothers would diligently bring up their children in your fear, and that children would honor their parents and be well equipped for service of their neighbors in this life. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, you have called us to honor our parents and all other authorities, that it may go well with us. So bless Joseph, our president, Richard Michael, our governor, and all of those who govern us. Make them wise in your ways, that your justice may be upheld among us. Help us to serve and obey them in accordance with your will. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, our God, your steadfast love in Christ is good. Turn in your abundant mercy toward all those who suffer in our midst, especially we lift up to you, Judy and Tammy, Charlie, Jane, John, Don, Leah, Nancy, Wayne, Dwight, Jim, Brian, Marilyn, Joanne, Tony, Carolyn, Nancy, Carol, Ralph, and Joyce. Do not let the flood sweep over them, nor the pit close its mouth on them, but deliver them and grant them healing, comfort, and peace. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, you bless this day and make it holy with your word and the gifts of your altar. 
Grant that we may come before your presence to eat your son's body and blood, not boasting of ourselves, but of Christ alone. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, our rock and redeemer, three days after the temple of your son's body was destroyed by wicked men, he raised it up again. Grant that on the last day we and all the saints who now rest in your presence may share in the glory of his resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. God of all creation, all you have made is good, and your love endures forever. You bring forth bread from the earth and fruit from the vine. Nourish us with these gifts that we might be for the world, signs of your gracious presence. In Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast that renewed in the gift of baptism we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, 
we praise your name and join the unending hymn. Indeed, holy, almighty, and merciful God, you are most holy, and great is the majesty of your glory. You so love the world that you gave your only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. We give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will, and to accomplish all things for our salvation. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving, and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with heavenly blessing and grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin may be formed to live as your holy people and be given our inheritance with all your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.